You can turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, John chapter 20. If you're new here, we preach through large chunks of Scripture, books of the Bible. We've been in the Gospel of John. We've actually been up to to chapter 15, but we're going to to pivot to a different part of of John this morning. Today is, is, is what we call here at Four Oaks Vision Sunday. It's a time we we do every year or two. We sort of reflect on where we are as a church family. We point forward to where we believe the elders and pastors are leading us in the coming season. But we want to stay in John as we do this. So we're going to use John chapter 20 as sort of a jumping off point. You know, this is hard to believe, but, but 30 years next year, it will have been when John Kaiser started a Bible study in a little bit, little bitty apartment on the northeast side of town that grew into Four Oaks Community Church. And so whether you have been here all 30 years, and I'm looking around and I see a couple of you looking particularly crusty this morning, all 30 years, or maybe 30 months you've been here, or 30 weeks, 30 days. I'm looking at some of you, some of you have been here for 30 minutes and you're like, what in the world is going on? Well, you get the, get the water hose this morning, but, but John, you need to know that John 2031 is why Four Oaks exists. And I want to read that verse for us. I'm actually going to read two verses, starting in verse 30, and then I want to, to unpack them a little bit and then relate them to where we are as a church and where we believe God is, is leading us in the coming days. Verse 30. In chapter 20, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Believe, of course, is the theme of the gospel of John. It's what we've been hammering on the past 18 months. But I want you to to see two things in particular in this text that on first blush are just so blatantly, patently obvious, is it even worth mentioning? But sometimes the most obvious things are the most important things. And there's two things I want you to see. Number one, Christianity is meant to be believed. And number two, Christianity is meant to be passed on. So this idea that Christianity is meant to be believed, it it reminds us that what we have in the Bible is not merely an intellectual set of facts or or a history book. You know, can't just pray for the teachers, and some of you might be history teachers, and we think about what it means to wrap our mind around historical facts, like we're getting ready to celebrate the 75th anniversary of of Normandy and the D-Day invasion, for example. A lot of times as Westerners, as, as intellectuals, as, as Christians in the West, we can mistake belief for simple intellectual assent or knowledge. Now understand, belief always involves intellectual assent. It's not less than that. It's just that it's so much more. And one of the things that John, and this is so applicable to us, Four Oaks, one of the things that John does week after week after week, which we've seen in the text, is he takes the time to make sure we don't make that fatal mistake. He wants us to know what belief really is. And that's why he gives lots of stories, lots of metaphors. So John says things like, you know, believing is like seeing. 
He says, believing is like tasting. Believing is like drinking. Believing is like entering into. This whole idea that John is wanting to to pound home to us over and over and over again is that Christianity, when we say it's meant to be believed, what we're saying is that it's a whole life commitment to Jesus Christ. All of us. Do you you understand, church, what we mean when we say Jesus Christ is Lord? Lord. I mean, do who calls anybody anymore, anyone Lord? I mean, that sounds kind of like a master or like somebody who's in charge and that's in charge of me. And whoa, that's, that's pretty heavy. Exactly right. John reminds us that Christianity is not some nominal, I'll show up at church every six months or so and kind of wave, you know, wave at the offering plate as it passes by. And it's a, it's a nice intellectual tradition or something to be honored. No, no, no. It's a whole life commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's number one. But Christianity is also meant to be passed on. And what we mean by that is that Christianity is transgenerational. It's multi-generational. It's not like a slideshow. Or some of you families still have your movies on VHS. Some of you still have your music on 8-track, and God bless you, okay? But, but for those of us who have entered the digital age and your videos are now uploaded to your YouTube channel or, or um, some other site where you can go and look at them and digest them, a lot of times we perceive Christianity as like that. It's like the old home movies. It's, it's, it's like a slideshow. It's, it's something to reminisce about, and, it's, and it's, it's important for us in this day and time, but who's to say what's going to be important tomorrow for our kids? That's not what John says. John says, we believed. John says, I believed. But here's the kicker. Now I want you to believe. And so part of the hallmark of Christian faith is that faith in Jesus Christ is passed down. And, and, and you know this in your families. You, you've been given a, a sole task, a primary task, parents. It's not just helping your kids learn how to brush their teeth or tie their shoes or to overdraw their checking accounts. Okay, all that happens. But it's, it's much more than that. It's about, it, it's primarily, fundamentally, will my child have a living, breathing relationship with Jesus Christ? How do I pass the gospel torch down? Guys, as a church family, we've been given a stewardship to believe. Remember, John is not just addressing individual Christians, although he's doing that. He's addressing the body of Christ 60 years after Jesus has ascended. John 20, 31, in case you haven't figured this out yet, is why we exist as a church. It's what we are all about. There's a lot of things that we're about that are important but fundamentally, without John 20, 31, none of this means anything. We want you to know Jesus Christ, to believe in him. We want your children to believe in him. We want your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. We want it to be passed down. Because life is such a vapor, isn't it? it is, I, I'm looking around, and there's some of you who've, who've been here the same amount of time we have, 21 years, 22 years. We came, we came with no kids, and... Somehow we accumulated four along the way now. 
and, and, and have grown up with your kids, and it goes by so fast, doesn't it? What a stewardship we've been given. Life is such a vapor. Guys, God has given four oaks a stewardship, a mantle. It's wrapped up in John 20, 31. And what I want to do in our minutes together is just sort of press down into that and ask, what does this mean for us as a church body going forward? What, what time is it at Four Oaks? I mean, I know it's 1140 and we'll be done at least by two, at least by two. No, but what season is it? What season is it here at, at Four Oaks Community Church? Where's God leading us? So we're going to talk mostly about the present and the future, but just a couple of minutes for me to give some context about our, our history. You know, so for the first 20 years of our existence, Four Oaks was, was a mobile church. And by mobile, I mean we had no place to lay our head. We were like the, will, the, the Israelites wandering around in the wilderness. I want to say in a circle, but that sound. We, we, we knew we were going somewhere, just weren't sure where it was. We're meeting in Gilchrist Elementary, a Tupperware warehouse, Plaza 10, which is now a Japanese steakhouse. Not every church can say that. Met at CCS across the street, Childs up the road, which for some people is like clear in Georgia, right? So even though people couldn't find us, somehow inexplicably they came and we grew and it became a bit unwieldy. And the elders and pastors began to say things like, you know what, what we need is a home base for ministry. Now by home base, here's not what I mean. We didn't mean, well, what we need is a cottage to sort of get comfortable in by the fire like a hobbit. Okay, we don't, don't, not, not like that. We don't mean a home base like a fortress to sort of protect ourselves from the evil world that's kind of lurking outside our walls. We didn't mean like a country club. No, what, what, what we mean, meant was when we said that we needed a home base for ministry as something more akin to the military, a staging area to gather our resources and then to deploy for the sake of the gospel. And so we, we bought this facility. We owned the whole, the whole thing, the whole, the whole shoot and match. All the, all the spaces are ours. We rent out, rent, get rental income from it, helps us pay the bills. And we came in sa- saying things like, you know, we don't want to be settlers. We want to be pioneers. We, we talked about this metaphor that, you know, oftentimes in established churches, it's so easy just to become all about ourselves. It's so easy to become inward and meh, mealy mouth. And we're like, no, no, no. We want to link arms. Absolutely. That's part of being the body of Christ. But we want to ha- be arms linked facing outward. We, we are here for something beyond ourselves. And our strategy was that we wanted to spread. We wanted to to grow, but we wanted to grow horizontally, not not merely vertically. We wanted to be, and this was our strategic decision, to be one church in many locations, many congregations. We wanted to be a network of campuses, congregations spread all across the greater Leon County area, ministering, though, under the Four Oaks banner, one church. We want to be united in our theology, united in our philosophy of ministry, in our leadership, in our mission, but empowered to reach different geographical areas of the city of Tallahassee. In other words, we didn't want to be a 
come and see ministry going this way. We want it to be a go and tell. That's, that's why we came here. And so five years ago, we launched a second congregation, Four Oaks Midtown, um, a large core of folks from, from this body. And I want you to think about this. So easy to blow past this. First of all, you, if you're a guest, you need to know we're, we're a church of two congregations. So one church, different, different, different locations. About 100 folks came out, went out from this body five years ago. And it has been phenomenally fruitful. Folks, we can say, by the grace of God, you can say, by the grace of God, we have helped plant a church. We have helped plant a congregation that is now a church of 350 plus. They're out of space. Um, You talk about hard to find, though. Okay, we can give you the GPS coordinates and you still won't find it. I promise. But it's somehow it's, it's happening so much so that we're trying to figure out how to what, what do they need to do? Do they need to buy that property and expand it? And it just, anyway, it's, it's good problems to have. But folks, thank you. Thank you for, and it's, those seasons can be like giving away an arm and a leg, can't they? Saying goodbye to friends and, and launching people out. No, Tim Keller always says to, you know, to be kingdom-minded means having to say goodbye. So we didn't send someone to, to, the, to the hinterlands. They went to Midtown, okay? But, but you get the idea, Right. So these past five years, we have just tried to be faithful, tried to, to put our nose to the grindstone and say, God, we want to continue building here into the church family that you've called us to be, to be on mission where we are. And God is just, let me just say, super faithful. Um, by God's grace, we are in the best position financially we've ever been since I've been here. We're going to be welcoming some, some new members in and folks, after at the end of our service today, we, we think God has, has just really graced us, even through a lot of struggles. And so about two years ago, the elders began to ask the question, okay, God, as, as, we're, as we've kind of regained our footing here at Killarne, what, what are you... What are you calling us to next? What is, what is ministry? What does John 20, 31 look like in the coming season? And again, not to beat, beat a dead horse, but you get it. We don't want to be a monument. We want to be a movement. So easy, it wouldn't it be? It'd be easy for me, easy for you to just be in a position where we could coast. I mean, I look around, and there are some amazing believers in this room. There are some amazing resources. We have an amazing facility. Um, we're in a nice part of town. Most of us have serviceable to very nice homes and abodes that we live in. So easy to say, you know, a nice little church with nice little programs you know, we, we, now we do give enough to missions to not feel guilty, right? You can walk by the mission board and the gospel partners on the way out. And it's like, we do all of that. But I believe the consensus of your elders is just like Jesus in the church of Laodicea when he says, you are lukewarm. I want to spit you out of my mouth. That is not what we desire. That, we don't want you to desire that. This life is so, so short, and so there was, there was three, so we, we launched out the KEPT campaign about 18 months ago, and, and there was sort of three things that we 
felt God was calling us to. And I want to mention them briefly and, and update you on where we are and then kind of what's, what's happening from there. One of those was that we, we had this idea that, first of all, that God has kept us as a church body. We've been in existence for 28, 29 years, been through a lot of things as a church, a lot of ups, a lot of downs, but God has been particularly faithful. And he, we believe he's kept us for a reason, kept us for a purpose, kept us to do something. And the first of those things that we said was that we believe he's kept us to gather. So when we bought this facility, our vision was to be a neighborhood church. We wanted this to be a third place. And by third place, I mean, I mean this. People spend the majority of their time where? At home okay, or at work. But when people aren't at one of those two places, where are they going to spend their time? Are they going to, they're going to go to the soccer fields, right? Or they're going to go to the FSU game, or they're going to go out to eat or what have you. We thought what would be great is if we could have a facility that we use to bless our neighborhood that is open as it possibly could be, that brings people in, that, that allows us to build relationship. And so we have the chopped barbershop down, down the way. I, I go there once every eight years. It's a fun, it's a fun visit. We have Play Big, which is a special needs ministry that we've partnered with in our own special needs ministry. There's, there's, there's a thrift store, Living Harvest, that, that seeks to help men who've been released from incarceration sort of get back on their feet. We can't forget Maple Street, which is, which is right next door, which again, if you go in there, no matter when I go in, there's always, there's always somebody I know. There's always somebody to meet, always. And so it's just kind of ready-made relationship building. And we said, God, we want to be here for the long haul. We want to be a, continue to be a presence. And, but in order to do that, we need to be faithful with our money because we took out a very large loan when we bought this building, renovated it. And you guys, as a part of this campaign, committed $1.3 million towards the, the fulfillment of, of these of these uh, ministry vision, and we'll talk, unpack that in a second. And we ended up paying off one of the two mortgages on this building of about a million dollars. You guys, by God's grace, did that in about 15 months. So can we just thank the Lord for his faithfulness in this way? And it, again, it enables us to, to not pour money, not, not, not give our money to some I've got to be careful because this is recording, to give our money to some bank out there. We'd rather put that into people. We'd rather put that into ministry. And that's going to come into play in a minute when I talk about something else. But we believe God has kept us together. The second thing we said was that we believe God has kept us to give. You know, some would say, oh, here you are. You know, you've got all these resources, Pastor Paul. You're up on the northeast side of town. How in the world could you have a ministry to the community? As you know that for a long time, we've had a strategic partnership, outreach, investment in, in right-to-life issues. We've been super involved in the Women's Pregnancy Center. We've been super involved with the Phi Center. Um, we've been, for many years now, with our, with our gifts, our service, and our money coming alongside young women in crisis pregnancies. And we, and not putting that aside, but building upon it, we said, God, we think you want us to do more. How do we, like, help those women once they brought their baby to term? Like, that's when life really starts, right? Lord, how do we come alongside those families who are in crisis 
before they end up getting sort of fed into the foster care system. God, what, what would you have us do? And so we have been launching out initiatives over the past couple of years related to adoption, foster care, guardian ad litem, safe families. And it's just been an incredible encouragement to see what God has done in this in your lives in our church family. On one of those Sundays where we highlighted adoption, we got every one of you, your families up here who had adopted, we, we couldn't, people were falling off into the communion table. It was like, it was chaos, but a glorious chaos. And to see how God has continued that work. And some of you came to Four Oaks already with adopted families. Some of you have adopted since you've been here. Just super recently, Tim and Trish Duff had, had taken a young African-American little girl into their care foster, from the foster care system. They are now completing their adoption process. Praise the Lord. Demeter's just went to, to China, and lo and behold, they came back with a baby. It was amazing. Just, I could go on and on. The Petchers are getting ready to, to adopt from over in Jacksonville. It's just, this has brought blessing. It's brought diversity. And we said, as a church, we're just going to put money there. We actually raised money for, for these sorts of initiatives. So in our budget this year, we've set aside tens of thousands of dollars to be available to, for people who want to adopt for partnerships with some of these various ministries. And so thank you for being a part of that. The third thing that we talked about as part of that campaign is that we believe that God has kept us to scatter. This personally, I'll be honest with you, is the hardest one for me because I, I love people I know. I love people I have a relationship with and I just want them to be around all the time and there when I need them and there to have fun with and but one of the things that God calls us to for Oaks as part of his kingdom is this idea of multiplication. You see, John 20, 31 can't happen apart from multiplying ourselves. See, if, it's not just about our community group because we want to multiply our community group so that other people can experience what we've experienced in the body of Christ this is, not, this is not a spiritual version of not in my backyard. You know what? You know, I build it, but I don't want anyone else to build. I got my community group, but that's all I need. No, no, no. We need to multiply community groups. We need to multiply churches, congregations, personal evangelism. And so we've been praying for some time now, God, what does it look like for us to scatter as a church in the coming season. One of those ways has been our partnership with the Sojourn Network, um, where we are giving monies, we have a partnership, we're, we're helping to plant churches. But let's be honest, sometimes, you know this, it's easier to give money towards something versus ourselves, versus our time, versus our personal investment. This is kind of where the rubber meets the road because some years ago, the, the, the pastors identified Josh Hughes as a man. Josh was, was, was raised in this church. He was, in, he was a very infrequent attender of my youth group when I was youth pastor, but, but nonetheless, he attended. But remind him that it was very infrequently. He led worship, though, for that student ministry when he graduated. He came on staff here in 2007 as our worship pastor. For some time now, the elders have felt a strong conviction that God is calling Josh to preach and lead. And we've just been praying, though, for 
the best venue? What's the best opportunity? What's the way to go about this? What's the way to send Josh out in a, to start a third congregation for us, but not in the way that we launched Midtown? In, in Midtown, remember, it was kind of like, if you want to go to Midtown, raise your hand, okay? And it was like this two-way street back and forth between the two congregations. And we're like, no, 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 that's not healthy. We, we think God's calling the bulk of Killarne to be at Killarne, the bulk of Midtown to be at Midtown, but God, how would, you, how, would you, how would you have us do this? And so over this past season, God just given the, the elders an amazing amount of unity in this and saying, you know what? There's this small group of folks who live out in the hinterlands out east, okay? And they drive a long way to church. They drive 25 minutes, 30 minutes sometimes. Just a couple of dozen people who, who desire to have a church where they can bring their neighbors and their friends and we thought, you know what, That's, that might be something. That might be something. And so you haven't seen Josh here in a while because, one, Josh has had some health issues, so he can't, he can't sing like he used to. I'm sure he sings to Katie, but he can't sing to you. But Josh has also been busily preparing this launch. And so he's, been, he's at Midtown this season um, wanting to gather up a, a small core group of people to, to join with the very small group that's coming from Killarne. Because here's what's really cool. Midtown exists because you guys sacrificed and gave. And because you willingly said, yes, I'm, I can say got, goodbye to some of my relationships and friendships so that this can happen. And, and by God's grace, there's a gospel presence. There's 200 people coming to that, to that congregation that otherwise we may not have reached if we had not launched that congregation. And so Josh is down there collecting up another core group of folks because just as we were involved in launching Midtown, Midtown is going to be involved in launching East. And so right now, Lance, Pastor Lance, Josh are down at the Midtown congregation. They're sharing this vision. They're calling people specifically to be a part of that. And we think that's a great thing. Um, most likely they will launch out into public services sometime early in 2019, meeting at Appalachia Elementary, which is down by Lincoln. Guys, one of the, the cool things about that location is that it, it, it's in an underserved area. It's a much more diverse area. There's so many opportunities to, to reach a segment of the population that we're not going to reach in the same way being up here at Killarne or, or Midtown's going to reach by virtue of being in Midtown. We're going to have a joint celebration um, in, in February at a neutral site. I know it sounds like a college football game, but at a neutral site location where the Killarne, Midtown, and East congregations are all going to come together, probably at Cascades or somewhere like that. Celebrate the end of the kept season and launch, launch that congregation out. But as we've thought about this, we've had to ask the question, what does this mean for Kalorn? Because as I said, we, we believe that God is calling the bulk of our church family to remain here, to continue on mission here. We don't think it does us a lot of good, or the body of Christ a lot of good, to, to divide. We want, we want to multiply. We want to multiply. And so there's, there's two opportunities coming up that God has in his providence presented us, and I want to talk about those two things and we'll be done. Two things, there is a staffing opportunity, and then there is what I would call a generational opportunity. The staffing opportunity is, is pretty self-explanatory. Um, 
we need, I mean, Josh's leaving has create, creates a big void. It creates a big void in just general pastoral responsibilities. We, we ask our pastors here not just to like focus on their very narrow segment and silo, like Scott Stake is over um, community groups. But what you don't know is Scott Stake actually runs every ministry in the church. It's unbelievable. <laughs> it seems that way. Pastor Rob is over students and children, but like he's got his tentacles into families and counseling. And this is, this is, but that's the way of it. That's, that's what we love. But so there's a, there's a deficit created by Josh leaving in that way, but there's also a deficit obviously related to worship leading. Let me just say, first of all, God has raised up an amazing cadre of volunteer worship leaders in this season. Kyle, who is leading today, Matt Rousseau, Jeff Van Sickle, um, Julie Alley. Let, let's just take a moment, first of all, to say thank you to these amazing servants. But, you know, what's interesting about all those people, they all have like a life. They all have like a job. They have, they're educating kids. They're teaching during the day. They, they would be the first to tell you, we're so glad to serve, but this is not sustainable. <laughs> okay. Guys, a lot goes into this. See, see, worship for us is not simply about leading songs. Worship for us is about spiritual formation. Worship is about thinking how we want to use, and I, I'm not, I believe this is true from the Christian perspective, this is the most important hour and a half that we have every week as a church family. It's where preaching and teaching happens. It's where worship happens. It's where formation happens. We believe we need someone who can provide consistent theological, biblical leadership in this way. We need someone who will be a consistent presence that you will know that you'll be able to develop a rhythm with that will be sort of the chief worshiper here. Not to mention just all the other things that go on that none of us, I don't even have a clue about. Raising and training up new musicians, vocalists, the technical aspects, online, media. I, there, there's, I could go on and on. And so we've just been praying, and the elders have been in a search process the past several months. Who can come in? And, and, and it's a lot that we're asking of this person to, to connect, first of all, with a younger generation of 20 to 30-somethings, while at the same time having enough biblical depth, biblical maturity to lead a multi-intergenerational church like we have here. We have folks that are 18 in this room this morning. We have folks that are 78 or older and lots of stuff in between. And you may say, Pastor Paul, who, who can... Who in the world could do something like that? And of course, the answer is Jesus, okay? But he's not available. So anyway, but we have been engaged in this process, and, and we're really thrilled to, to present to you the man that we believe God is calling to be a part of our team. His name is Joe Haverlock. That's him and his wife, Julie. They live in Michigan. Joe's a graduate of Southern Seminary. He's been in full-time vocational ministry for 11 years in the, in the same church. They have, they have two, two cute children. He is going to be here in a couple of weeks um, leading worship for us. And this is a weekend where he gets to, to know you and you get to know him and Julie. Julie's awesome, his wife. We're going to have a, a church-wide potluck, old-school gathering on that Sunday night, the 23rd, where we'll break bread together and you'll hear their testimonies and you can ask them questions and they can ask you questions. 
It's an opportunity to affirm them. And, and by God's grace, we really hope and pray they'll be on site here by the time November rolls around. So there, there's a staffing opportunity here. But number two, and I, I want to I hit this as we're, as, we're, as we're winding down. Guys, I believe God has given us a generational opportunity. If you look around this room, the sweet spot of our demographics is we are a church full of families with school-aged children. We've got some empty nesters. We've got some grandparents. We have a lot of kids out there. There's 150, 200 kids, what have you. But God has really begun to lay it upon our hearts. What does this season, next season at Clarin mean for really connecting with 20 and 30-somethings? What, is, what does that mean to reach the next generation here while being biblically faithful, biblically true, theologically solid? And so we've just been meeting with, with folks this past season, folks here at Killarne, and just asking them, hey, as someone who, who, who God is probably calling to stay here at Killarne, what is your burden of ministry? What is your vision? What do you, what do you feel God calling for you, you to do? And just, I just want to offer up a few encouragements about the way God is working in this particular way and ask you to pray with me. See, the staff here for the last six months, eight months, has been really diving into this. What does this mean? What does this mean to to be diverse when it comes to age? What does it mean to be diverse? What, what does it mean to reach into all segments of our culture? What does it mean to have a, a church that looks like the neighborhood that it's in? So here's just a couple of things that, that just for your encouragement and for you to pray for. I've been, I've been leading, number one, I've been leading a young guys group that meets on Monday mornings. And by young, I mean, they just have to be younger than me. Okay. So that's, and I'm 38. So there you go. So the young men study, and it was something interesting. I was, I was, Leading one day, and Stephen Altrogi helps to lead this study with me, and I was looking around at all these young guys, and it just dawned on me, this is the future spiritual leadership of Four Oaks. And, and, and some of them don't even know it, and that's, that's what's great about it. It's those who think they know it, that's the, that can be the issue. These are just, guys that, just young, young guys, says in the scriptures, those who aspire to be an overseer desire a noble thing, and just begin to pray and meet and challenge them. What, what does spiritual leadership look like for you over the next two years, three years, five years? Super encouraging. There's a Sunday night set of community groups we call connect groups that are designed to, to reach into to folks who are new to the church, to incorporate them into a community group. And these are all going to be meeting on Sunday night, but here at Four Oaks Church. See, so w- w- one of the target target groups here are, are young couples with young kids. Let's be honest, community group is enough of a challenge, but, but bringing your four kids under the age of six to your community group can make it seem nigh impossible. And so we want to do everything we can to accommodate folks that are in that, in that demographic because we know this is whom the torch is being passed to. And so in a couple of weeks, Sunday nights, there'll be several new connect groups. There'll be some young leaders that'll be leading these groups. A lot of, there'll be a, if you, sh- listen, if you just show up here by accident on Sunday night, you're getting put in the nursery. I'm just going to warn you. It's, it's going to be on. 
Um, Pastor Rob, a third thing, has been mobilizing our college students here at Four Oaks. You may say, well, is this, can we really expect college students to drive past 20 other churches on the way up to Killarne and Midtown's closer? And that's not the question for us. The question is, do you realize we have every year a bunch of high school seniors who graduate and they stay around because they're in love with Tallahassee, right? Okay, or whatever. It doesn't matter. They're here. We've been given a great stewardship with them. And it's like, God, you brought college ministry to us. How do we leverage that? How do we do that? And that's something that Rob's begun mobilizing behind the scenes. And just some encouragements for you. But let me give you an exhortation. What does it look like for you to pass the gospel torch to those who are closest to you? When, when you're doing something in ministry or you're doing something in leadership, does your mind, mind often doesn't, but does your mind go to, who can I bring along in this? I'm leading this group, but who can come with me? I'm going to this event, but who can I, who can I bring along? What neighbor, what friend, what, who needs a church home? What, God, what are you leading me to do when it comes to that? Is that a question that we all ask ourselves? Because I believe our faithfulness as a church, guys, I believe one day we will stand before the Lord and he will say, he'll ask us, and this is not a judgment of, of salvation, it's a, it's a judgment of works, of stewardship. And I want the Lord to tell us, well done, good and faithful servant. I want the Lord to say, well done, Four Oaks Community Church. Let me end by giving you a couple of thank yous. First of all, on behalf of the Gilberts, thank you. We've been on staff here 21 years. We've had four children born and raised in this church. And first of all, I want to say thank you for your patience. Thank you for letting us figure out by trial and error what it means to be a pastor, what it means to be a pastor's wife, what it means to serve the body of Christ. I can honestly say there is no other church in town I would rather, and there's a lot of great churches, that I would rather have my family grow up in than Four Oaks. If I was not on staff, if you would let me, I would still come to this church. We, we love this church. And so thank you for journeying with us. I want to say thank you for those, and you know this, it takes resources to run a church. If I told you, I think, it's, I think it costs about $5,000 a day to keep the machinery of this church moving. That's just here at the Colarn campus. Guys, thank you for your faithfulness and for your giving. Um, let me offer an invitation. for those. For, if you are someone that Four Oaks is your home, and I don't mean like is your name on a, on a, mem- on a sheet of membership paper, although it should be, but, but, but I mean like someone who's like, yep, this is where I go. This is my church. I listen to the preach. I mean, uh, it's got great children's ministries, great women's ministries. You know, the worship is good. The preaching ain't tolerable. But nonetheless, we go with it. If you're someone in that camp, <clears throat> let me invite you into the joyous partnership of giving. This is the way it's meant biblically, that the locus and focus of our giving is this place where is the, that serves as the locus and focus of our spiritual lives. It's a great joy that the members and family of this church have in bearing this responsibility. It's a great privilege. And we invite you in to it as well. 
Oftentimes, some of you ask me, well, Pastor Paul, what can I do this season to, to serve? How can I, what, what, what can I do? This is, this is my invitation to all of us here this morning as we end. The greatest gift I believe you can give the body of Christ is your heart, your gifts, your time, your priorities, your money. You say, Pastor Paul, that sounds like you're actually asking me to make a commitment, to which I will say what? Yes. It's called membership, and Scott's going to come up here in a second and talk about that. But you know what? Membership, all it is, is this. It's a statement that says, this is my church home. These are my people. They're messed up. I'm messed up. We're all messed up, but we're messed up together. That's why we need Jesus. This is my church home. This is where I want to leverage everything that I have for the sake of the church and the kingdom. So I'm going to invite Pastor Scott to come up, and as, as he comes, let me pray for us as we close our time.